Hey, fellow mathers, do you have limited classroom time? Do you want to make the biggest, best impact on your students that you can? Then you need to start here with the Math is Figureoutable Challenge. It's three one-hour sessions of the quickest and most powerful ways to reach the most students with the most math. We're having special guest Jenna Labe. Mark your calendars for May 15th through 17th at 7 p.m. Central and watch this space to find out when registration opens. If you can't make those times, you'll want to register anyway so you can get access to the session recordings. And now, on to the episode. Hey, fellow mathematicians! Welcome to the podcast where math is figureoutable. I'm Pam. And I'm Kim. And you found a place where math is not about memorizing or mimicking, waiting to be told or shown what to do, but it's about making sense of problems, noticing patterns, and reasoning using mathematical relationships. We can mentor our students to be mathematicians as we co-create meaning together. Not only are algorithms not particularly helpful in teaching mathematics, but y'all, rotely repeating steps actually keep students from being the mathematicians they can be. So in this week's episode, we are going to tackle the topic of anchor charts. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, we've talked about problem strings a lot, what they are and are not, how to facilitate them. Um, we've actually done some together, but we haven't really talked about anchoring the learning. Yeah, and let's be clear, as a high school teacher, this is this was not a thing. This could oh, yeah. be a thing. This is a, a wonderful thing that we can do kind of all over the place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So today... We're going to talk about what they are, how do you create them, when maybe you create them, what goes on them, um, when would you refer to an anchor chart, and how do you get kids to use them? Absolutely. So anchor chart, so like we're saying the word anchor, like you throw over an anchor over the boat, that anchors the boat to the, what does it mean to anchor learning? And a way to anchor learning is to create an anchor chart. Mm-hmm. So one of the reasons we thought we would do this podcast is we have done, uh, so we have online workshops, asynchronous online workshops. If you haven't checked those out yet, check them out. They're wonderful. Um, one of them's free, mathisfreeable.com slash free workshop, uh, the developing mathematical reasoning workshop. In those workshops and uh, live workshops that we do when we travel around, we will often make anchor charts. We will anchor the learning. And as we've talked to some of the participants in workshops, we realized there might be a slight uh, misunderstanding that we thought we'd clear up today in the podcast. Yep. Also, often when we will create an anchor chart in a workshop, we will have teachers say, oh, hey, um, like I was just writing that down in my notes, but it'd be super cool if you guys actually made cute ones, like nice looking mm-hmm. ones, mm-hmm. like sharp kind of, you know, and, and sold them. I would buy those. Totally. Yeah. People, people have like put them on your store. We totally buy them. Yep. So, so like Kim, it's a great idea. Like we should make anchor charts and so, <laughs> or, uh, yeah. or, or not. Yeah. No, so, all right, no. let's, so let's dive into what, uh, what are anchor charts? So Kim, yep. what are anchor charts? Go. So an anchor chart is an opportunity to create an anchor of the learning, right? So in a problem string, you're doing the problem string, you get towards the end and you want to, in some way, kind of mm, cinch the learning, cement it a little bit more. Bring maybe it not, together. Maybe not for every kid at the exact same moment, Probably not, mm-hmm. likely not, but mm-hmm. you want to have a, a poster or a chart or a paper of some sort, so, something that is an example of 
the type of strategy that just happened. So could, for me, could ahead. be electronic. You said paper. Yeah, yeah, could be yeah. could be electronic. Sorry, I didn't interrupt. So, yeah. So for me, in a in an elementary classroom, it's going to look like a piece of chart paper that has uh, some sort of cementing the learning that just happened. Um, and I don't know if you want to tell me, like me to tell you what would actually go on mine, but I can. I do. I do. Okay. But I have I have an order to my my madness okay. today. Okay. So right. talk to me about how you create anchor charts. Mm, like, super like, important. I, yeah, because you could just order them off of yeah. our store. You could, or no, you could don't. be you. Yeah, or <laughs> you could be like some of our participants who said, "Can I just take your anchor chart?" Right, and we would never advocate that because we think that it's super important that what goes on that chart comes from the students with some some facilitation, some guidance, some kind of little bit, um, little bit of a sneaky from the teacher. Because while you have something in mind that's going to go on the anchor chart, some key pieces, what those look like exactly will come from your students so that they can relate to it as they use it throughout the year. And in a huge way, in the intro to the podcast, we say we can mentor mathematicians as we mm -hmm. co-create meaning mm -hmm. together. Absolutely. And that's what I hear you saying is that yeah. you are co-creating. You, you know the content. But you yep. also know your kids. Yep. So, you know, the content means you've got that landscape. You have a sense and a feel for how this, whatever you're anchoring that day, how it fits in, what it's all about, what are the major yep. important parts of it are. But you want to co-create that anchor chart with students so that, well, I'll let you, like, why? Why, why co-create? What, what, what's the use of having students do it with you? Well, I think that it just makes it really nice for them to go back to the experience that they had if they recognize making those pieces with you, right? I, I could create a chart and I could say, hey, we just did this thing. And so this is the chart that I made for you to remember it. But if they have the experience and, and have to kind of verbalize what they would put on their charts, what they, what they want to represent the experience you just had, then it is so much more meaningful. They're so much more connected to what, what is on that piece of paper or that digital piece. Well, let me just repeat, like often we will have, we have this kind of traditional setup in a class, especially the older the student gets, where uh, the teacher writes something down, maybe they have a PowerPoint slide, but, but in some way the teacher hands the student something and the student puts it in their notes. Yes. And so the teacher writes something, gives it, it's on a poster, it's in their notes, it's on a PowerPoint, and the stu student puts that then in their notes. Yep. What we're suggesting is something completely different. Yep. Because we want to anchor the learning through this co-created chart. Think about um, where we talked about do, say, represent. So if you haven't listened to that podcast, we'll put that in the show notes where we talked a lot about, we have Pam, a podcast on that too. I don't, I don't think Did we've we done ever? that yet. We should do that. Are you serious? Yep. Okay. Well, let me just briefly talk about the fact that we can do more in our head than we can say. Like we own stuff up in our brains and it's hard to sometimes articulate that stuff. And we can say, we can articulate things more than we can represent on paper. It's hard to sometimes put our ideas on paper, even when we can talk about them. And so if that hierarchy exists, one way to help get stuff on paper is for the teacher to say, tell me what you're thinking about. Yep. If we skip from the students not thinking about it at all, not talking about it at all, and the teacher just handing them a representation, that's not learning. What happens right. better is when we get, we have the, the experience, the students are creating the relationships and now they have, if you could see me, my fingers are like, like 
what, what how do I describe this? My fingers are like 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 circling around my brain, like like mm-hmm. my brain is like going going going. So the relationships are being created. Then the teacher draws out the words. So do say represent the say part. The teacher draws out the words from students. Let's anchor this learning. Let's put this up on this anchor chart. What what would when you walk in the door tomorrow, what would ping for you? What would, oh yeah, that's that thing we did yesterday that I remember those, mm-hmm. it worked like this. Like we could remember, oh yeah, we were, uh, and as you pull that out, as you say to students, what could we put up here that would help with that? What kind of words have you been using to describe, say, this mm-hmm. strategy that we're working on? As students grapple with verbalizing that, learning occurs. Yeah. The very mm-hmm. grappling, the very act of trying to decide how to how to anchor the learning, how to generalize what was happening, how to put words to the relationships that were going on, how to uh, put a model on that anchor chart. Like, mm-hmm. What should the number line look like? Or what would an array, mm-hmm. like, should we use an array or a ratio table? What would help us? Um, should we draw the equation of the line or, and, and also have the, should we have the graph of the line? Like what would go on the anchor chart? Students, what is meaningful to you about what we just did? Mm-hmm. As students grapple with that and decide how that looks, learning occurs. Mm-hmm. They actually sharpen their ideas in the process of co-creating that anchor chart mm-hmm. with you. Mm-hmm. So good. And, and therefore means so much more to them, like you said. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So what kinds of things go on an anchor chart? I just kind of mentioned a couple things, but what? So I think there's three uh, big pieces that I have in mind that I want to put on an anchor chart with kids. Um, oh, I'm super curious. I've never heard you say that. Oh, three. Okay. okay. Three, All right. Three, cool. three big things. Um, And so I think it's going to look a little bit different from class to class, and it's going to look a little bit different from year to year and and from poster to poster. I'm a a poster writer because some students might want to add a little bit more, but I'm aiming for three things. And one of them is I'm going to name whatever that strategy or that big idea is. We're going to, we're going to give it some sort of name. And in, in early years, right, we, we probably did a little bit uh, more of a loosey goosey naming kind of thing. Maybe I might've honored a kid's thinking, called it Mike's strategy, strategy, whatever, pick a name. Ah, Mark Um, Mike. (laughs) So I have a brother named Mike. And so (laughs) I, um, I might've called it Mike's strategy and then kind of like maybe put a little mathiness to it later. Um, now I know that I, it's really more important for me to give it more of a mathy kind of feel. Um, so that's one thing is we're going to name it so that later we can refer to it. Okay. Let's pause on that for just a second because, the Matthew name, like we, I remember one year we called something a lasso strategy and they're yeah, like, cause you, yeah. cause you throw it out and bring it back. It was like, the problem with that is it, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't allow you to, well, first of all, it's not very mathy, um, but it doesn't allow you to, to, um, uh, what's the word I want? Um, travel. It doesn't allow you to travel with that. So when you no. go talk to a teacher next door or next year and you say, oh yeah, I'm using the lasso strategy. Yeah. Uh, the, the what? Mike, yeah. who's Mike? So if you can say, oh yeah, I'm, I'm adding a friendly number or I'm using equivalent ratios, or I'm uh, looking at this as a proportional relation that's been shifted. If you, if, if you can talk about the, so it's really less about a name and it's more about a, a short descriptive sort of description name title yeah. kind of mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. that, that again, helps sort of sharpen, generalize what's going on. Okay. So one mm-hmm. thing, one thing is we're going to have to describe in a short, brief name, like way. Okay. Yep. We're going to name it. Um, and then I'm, I'm always going to have some sort of example. Uh, and so when we're talking about it, we're, we're wrapping up a string I'm having students discuss, 
And in that discussion, I'm going to say, hey, what, which problem from our problem string, which problem feels to you like a really nice example? It might be more than one example. If I'm doing a string that has um, whole numbers and decimals, I might choose one or the other. Mm-hmm. But I'm asking them what feels like when you look back at this again, it'll be a really nice example for you to remember the strategy that we're it'll using ping. here. Yep. Yeah, it'll ping for you. You'll look at that example and you're like, oh, yeah, that's that one. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And so nice. the third thing is we're going to put a little bit of words to it at the bottom. So in my head, my poster's being created as we're talking. I've got the name at the top. I've got some nice, really <laughs> large examples. And then at the bottom, we're going to have a little bit of language to it, a little bit of words about what is happening with that strategy. So if it's an add a friendly number over strategy, it's, I've said that at the top, we've got some examples. And then at the bottom, I'm, I'm having these students come up with some words that really describe you know, because for some of the students, it's going to be a little bit, um, I don't know, is the word tenuous? It's, it, they're, they're, not, they're not perfectly cemented, but as they stare at that poster over time, I want them to have some words that they can read and go, oh yeah, oh yeah. Like that's starting to make a little bit more sense. And as we, we do more problem strings and as we have more experiences with them, they read that and go, oh, down at the bottom, it says you can add a, add a little bit too much and then back up some. Whatever nice. language, whatever words the kids come up with. And, and again, we're co-creating. And so I'm, I have a, have a little bit of hand in uh, summarizing. Yeah. So it's not like really whatever they come up with because no. you're kind of nudging, you're nudging no, yeah, kind of yeah. hard. You have, yep. you, you know, the, you know, the content. So you're, yep. you're nudging that well. And again, in that creating as the students are putting those words in, and you're kind of helping that kind of make sense, those words at the bottom, mm-hmm. that's helping sharpen their understanding because in order to create those words, they're, they're kind of generalizing. They've now yep. used that relationship over a few problems or they're beginning to that generalizing is a form of algebraic reasoning, mm-hmm. which is also uh, desirable. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've looked at the developing mathematical reasoning graphic, counting strategies is inside of uh, additive. We build on that to get additive reasoning. We build on that to get multiplicative reasoning. We build on that to get proportional reasoning. We build on that to get functional reasoning. But more longitudinal is algebraic reasoning. That, that sort yep. of skirts all the way through there. This is an example of building algebraic reasoning. As you have students generalize relationships that are being used, generalize a strategy, generalize um, a way of, of using patterns to solve problems, that's an example of algebraic reasoning. And later, we just put variables to it. Mm-hmm. We're getting lots out of anchor charts that we mm-hmm. don't get if we just hand kids, here's the thing, put it in your notes. Yes. It's coming It's coming out of experience where they're actually doing the relationships. And then in the creative process, that learning is occurring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Um, how do you refer? When do you refer? No, maybe. Sorry. I'm going to ask you this one first. When are you creating anchor charts? Okay, so that that answer is probably not as hard and fast as maybe somebody would want to hear because I think it depends on the students. I'm definitely almost never going to create it after the first problem string that we do. So I'm, I have a series in my mind of problem strings that are going to tackle a particular strategy, and I'm really like eyeballing my students and I'm and I'm watching what's happening and I'm saying to myself, oh. We, we lobbed out this problem string that's about add a friendly number over and a, a couple of kids are, are hanging on to it. And then I'm going to come back, I don't know, maybe two days later and I'm going to do another problem string for add a friendly number over. And I've got a couple of more kids who are 
tinkering with that strategy. And maybe one more time, I'm going to come back around. It's when I see, a, I don't know, is there a good percentage, like 75% of my students maybe, who are tinkering with this particular strategy that I go, okay, now I'm ready to put some words to it a little bit harder. I'm ready to, to exemplify it. So I, I don't have a, a firm answer, but it's it's not after the first one. And that's what we've seen a lot of people do. I, I'm doing a problem string one time. We're going to anchor it. We're going to move on to a new strategy. And that's- well, and, and they do that maybe because they've been in a workshop. So when yeah. I'm doing a workshop, say it's a, it's a one-day workshop, I've got one shot to teach you a strategy. So we right. do a problem string. It's usually longer than ones that you would do in class, which also gets us a little in trouble because people are like, your problem strings are long. I'm like, well, I know because I have one shot to teach yeah. you this strategy to help you develop these relationships. So I, I should be more clear about that when I work with people um, that, you know, you probably have to do a little bit of a shorter version with students and then do it more often. Yeah. Um, so I, I think you could do an anchor chart after one problem string if most of your students are maybe not even tinkering, but I, I, I'd have to, to see what your definition of tinkering is because I want them act actively using the strategy. They're actively making sense of it. They're actively, um, I, I'm not saying that they own it yet, but when the majority of your students are actively using the relationships that you're trying to build, then I mm -hmm. think you can make an anchor chart because the process of making it is going to sharpen that thinking. It's going to bring some more students even uh, more on board and it's going to help and help everybody get better at it. Oh, so see, we could do a whole podcast about that because I have a, I have, I have more to say about that, but that's not, <laughs> well, that's not the point right here. <laughs> okay. We'll write that down. So we, okay, we talk about it. it. Um, so uh, golly, I, I don't even, what, where are we? What, did so, you, when, when do you create I think, them? I, I think I create them when okay. I see students actively using it. Um, and, but it, but it's not where hundred percent of students are using your strategy. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think even more important to that piece is when we refer to them because the anchor chart, like you said, does not go in a notebook on a piece of paper that then they just turn the page and they're taking notes that somebody's telling them to take. That poster for me is up on the wall. And then it stays up on the wall for a really long time. My, my classroom walls at the beginning of the year are pretty blank because I'm leaving space to create together. And it goes immediately up on the wall. And then that's something that I refer to on as often as I possibly can when I see it naturally occurring in my classroom. So you see a possibility to use that strategy and yeah. you might say, Hey, like, I think we have something that we've done that would really yep. work well here. Or yep. you might see somebody using that strategy yes, and you might go, Oh, y'all check out what so-and-so just did. Like, mm -hmm. look, and, and you, you're standing in front of that, that anchor mm -hmm. chart, you're pointing mm -hmm. to it. You're like, mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Hey, if I may, um, let's say that you're a secondary teacher or just a departmentalized teacher, someone who teaches more math more than once a day, mm -hmm. uh, just a little bit of a uh, kind of trick um, to getting these made. Here, here's what we're not suggesting. So say you teach six class periods. Uh, don't create an anchor chart for each class period and hang up six on the wall. Well, Pam, shouldn't <laughs> it be the ones that the kids suggested? We want it co-created together. Absolutely. So what you do is during first period, you go, Hey y'all, let's anchor this learning. What, what, what should we call it? Uh, you know, a brief name, brief description. What examples should we put up here that say to your heart and your soul that will ping for you tomorrow? What are some words we could put down here? I'll, I'll put, as we're creating this, I'll put it up here on the whiteboard. I'll put it um, on something not permanent. Don't worry. I'll put it on chart paper later. Uh, then second period. Hey, let's create an anchor chart. Don't worry. I'll put it on chart paper later. Fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, 
seventh period, you're like, hey, guys, let's create this anchor chart. I'll put it right on chart paper. <laughs> so yep. that very last class period, just make it on chart paper. By then, you're pretty good about what that anchor chart should look like. You've yep. had some examples of time to kind of like, I'm not suggesting totally wing it from the first, but you've gotten like, okay, like this makes sense. When the kids come in the next day for first period, and it's a different sample problem, but it's a really good one because you've, you've nudged it all the way along. You've made sure that that anchor chart is a really good sample problem. And they're like, hey, that's not the one we chose. You're like, you could just say, yeah, remember I had to transfer to chart paper by that point, you know, like seventh periods, which kind of created this like, you know, combo anchor chart. Um, so that could be a little bit of a trick to, to, to a teacher. What's the word? Hack. A teacher hack mm-hmm. so that you don't like waste um, poster paper. And, and we don't need multiple of them. We just need one for each major strategy or big idea or model that, that we're working on. Yep. Cool. Okay. Kim. What do you, else do you want people to know about anchor charts? So I think besides me mentioning uh, the anchor chart on a regular basis, you know, when I see it occurring, I want kids to know that they're there for them to use. It's not a thing that we created and it sticks on the wall and it's just cute and decorative and it's, you know, I made it really pretty because mine never really were. It's there as a tool. And so besides me referring to them, I'm also going to celebrate when I see a student glancing at it, looking at it, wondering about it. And I'm going to say things like, hey, remember, we've talked about a variety of strategies that you can use to solve multi-digit addition problems. You're welcome to take a look around and notice some strategies and wonder to yourself if there are ever going to be any of these strategies that you're welcome to use. So I encourage students to use them as a tool because that's exactly what we created them for. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Which could act also, maybe you tell me if I'm wrong, but if you see a student continually using a less sophisticated strategy, mm-hmm. like for mm-hmm. example, it's a multiplication problem and they keep using partial products, mm-hmm. you might say, Hey, is that one of our major, like, is there mm-hmm. for these numbers? We've got these four up there. Like which do, do any of these feel like they would be? And then walk away. Right. You're like, lob mm-hmm. it out. Like let, you are working hard. You are working so hard. Let's, let's see if we can save you some effort, man. Mm-hmm, wow. Mm-hmm. Like way to persevere. Are any of these fit better for those? Yeah. That could be, that could be a way of kind of pointing it out. Yep. Hey, I did want to mention, um, you mentioned something about how this is not where we just, uh, like I had said, where the teacher hands you something, the kids put it in their notes and, and it wasn't co-created together based on experience. I do want to say secondary teachers often will say to me, well, then what goes in notes? If, if I'm not having students like write down the example problems that I'm doing on the board, because we're not doing I do, you do, we do anymore, then what does go in students' notes? Well, this could be an example of what meaningful notes could look like. So mm-hmm. I'm actually quoting Peter Lilliadal there, who says, we need meaningful notes. Mm-hmm. Meaningful notes should be created by the student. And so as yep. we co-create these anchor charts, that could be the thing that I'm like, hey, all right, y'all. Uh, so uh, let me back up a little bit. As you do a problem string or rich task, we don't have students have their notebooks open and they're they're copying all the problems down for the problem string. We don't do that. But as we create the anchor chart, that's the kind of thing that we do want students to sort of anchor for themselves as well. So if if you are having students keep a notebook where they're putting notes, quote unquote, those meaningful notes, uh, anchor charts would be a great example of, uh, of a meaningful note that a kid could put in, um, a secondary notebook. 
Yeah, I'm going to jump in real quick because I, uh-huh. maybe I didn't hear you correctly, but you just said we're not going to have students um, have their notebooks out and record. And I don't want people to get the impression that they never record. What they're not doing is mimicking, copying every single problem and every example that you write. They're going to take, as we do problem strings, they're going to make note of the things that they need to write down. They're going to keep track of what yes. they need to in order to solve the problems. Yes. What I meant, thank you for helping me clarify. What I meant is that's not in their formal, this is your notebook. Yes. Um, yeah. We do that more on scrap paper or yep. or you can yep. even have sort of like a journal where you kind of whatever. The reason I say that is we have had teachers in the past where it's, it's a real formal thing. Hey, we're going to do a problem string today. Turn to page 19. And I expect you to have every problem that we just yeah. did copy down. That's mimicking. That's put students in a mimic mode and they're not thinking. They're just trying to get stuff down in a notebook. So that's what I'm trying to discourage. Uh, I'm not trying to discourage students having a pencil in their hand. <gasps> Kim, I just said pencil. Yes, you having do. A, having a pen in their hand <laughs> and recording whatever it is uh, that they need to be able to solve the problem. So yep. we absolutely believe in Kathy Foss knows mental math does not mean you do it all in your head. Mental math means you do it with your head. So yep. we're, we're, yeah, kids can be, be sketching down their thinking, writing numbers down, keeping track as they solve. Uh, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for helping me keep track yep. of that. All right. So also anchor charts. Uh, we think they're, they're useful, handy things to help students anchor, to solidify the learning and also to create algebraic reasoning. Thank you for tuning in and teaching more and more real math. To find out more about the Math is Figureoutable movement, visit mathisfigureoutable.com. Let's keep spreading the word that math is figure out of it. Thank you for listening and making math more figure outable. Remember, we're going to be opening registration for the Math is Figure Outable Challenge soon. Mark your calendar from May 15th through 17th. You are not going to want to miss these free PD evenings where you'll learn four routines you need in your classroom that are naturally engaging and encourage students to think mathematically. And remember, if you can't make those times, registering gets you access to the recordings. Keep making math figure outable.